Cairo, Seattle. It's time to get schooled with a professor, John Clayton. Welcome to School with the Professor, and joining us, of course, is Kevin Seifert from ESPN.com, who's all of a sudden become the expert on officiating. Expert in the sense that uh, you know, he covers it on the in-depth basis. There's more uh, coverage on that uh, at ESPN.com than in just about any other site, and it's great stuff. And so, Kevin, I guess we get to review a very controversial year and a very transitional year for officiating. How would you kind of give a grade to the way, way things are in officiating in the National? Football League. Well, I thought they they went into the year, John, with a really stiff challenge. Uh, not only do they have another three referees to uh, to replace who had retired and, and bring the number to seven new referees in the past two years, um, but but they also were you know starting to dip their toes into a whole different realm of instant replay, as has been well chronicled with reviewing subjective uh, calls like pass interference, and so. They had the deck stacked against them to start in terms of having a quiet, efficient type year, and fortunately, they did not have one of those. They had one where, um, you know, not only did the PI thing sort of hang over them throughout the year in terms of not being able to really settle on a standard for the way you for what would have to happen in order to overturn a call, but they also, and this seems like like ancient history, but they also had that first two three weeks of the season where offensive holding was completely out of control in terms of the amount of flags that were being thrown. And that was the result of an overinterpreted point of emphasis. So when you start the season that way with, with games, you know, being really bogged down by offensive holding calls, and then you have the, the circus of, of instant replay review, uh, pass interference review. And then you have really, I think a domino effect that really impacted the officiating on a play to play level too. Um, I think it was a really tough year in terms of a grade. Um, you know, you, you start looking in that D, you know, high D, low C range, to be honest. I think there's not many people in the NFL who would be satisfied with this level of officiating and officiating administration um, over a long period of time. I don't know if you, you agree with me. I think you probably do. But I think, you know, the officials in this league are good. I think that they have good quality, good integrity, and all that stuff. And I think there's so much confusion coming from the league office as to what is expected and how the things are going. But I contend that uh, things could get much, much worse as opposed to being better. And I know we've talked about this, is that coming up with the new collective bargaining agreement, the new five-year deal that's been agreed that upon, that uh, over the course of the next two years, because of the way that the pensions and all that are paid out for the senior guys, you're you're going to probably have as many as two dozen changes, two dozen officials, some of the yeah. best of the best, getting out of this league by uh, you know by 2021. Yeah, and I think a lot of it could even happen this year. I mean, I, I think what you're referring to is that the new CBA allows for people who I think have been there 20 plus years, if I remember it right, mm-hmm. uh, to take uh, a, a basically an, an extra generous severance and yeah, they have this extra one, half i think it's like one and a half percent one and a half percent yeah. or something like that yeah so if your if your severance was going to be a hundred thousand and now it's one hundred fifty thousand, and it's just available to those guys and it's just available at this for this limited amount of time and so i think your number is about right um i think there's going to be you know the the most a good a pretty steady uh departure of the most experienced the, the most experienced officials 
in the game, not just a referee per se, but people on down the line, side judges, field judges, umpires, back judges, all that kind of thing. Um, some of them are uh, amongst the, the best in the, in the NFL, and some of them probably have passed their prime. So you'll probably, you know, as in, with, any, with any industry, um, when you have buyouts or you have, uh, you know, forced retirements, you know, in some cases that it, it, it works to the benefit, in some cases it works to their um, works to their detriment. But the biggest issue is that regardless of the the quality of the people who will be heading out the uh, the door. Um, for many, many reasons, the pool of available officials is not exactly teeming with people who are ready to jump in and be NFL quality officials from day one. Um, there's just, and it's not just an NFL problem. It's a, it's a sports problem in terms of finding enough officials, qualified officials, people who have wanted to stay with it long enough, um, starting at the, like, you know, the youth league and the high school level and moving on up. People, there's just not as many people who have been willing to, to put up with the job, frankly, for long enough to give the NFL the, the type of pull it would need to have this level of replacements coming up. So you're going to have a lot of inexperienced and maybe not totally qualified people moving up, at least from a temporary standpoint, until they're until they're able to get up to speed. Yeah, and I think uh, what uh, I think a lot of fans and a lot of I don't even think a lot of the people in the league appreciate it, except those who work on with the officials, is that I mean this goes all the way down as you mentioned to the youth leagues and all the way to high school. And what's happening now is that you have more high school teams having to schedule games like on Wednesday. Thursday yeah. and just so that they can have enough officials available because the, it's, it's shrunk up and I mean you can blame the millennials but of course I mean not what it comes down to a lot of the millennials just don't get into that that's not their gig to go get fifty dollars for to do a high school game or a junior high game and something like that and that's understandable and so now you have less coming in to a point now the college pool is shrinking for officials the NFL pool is going to be shrinking for officials and to try to fill it is not going to be easy no not at all and i actually did a story about that during the off season and not only as you talk about are they having to get um uh you know schedule like high school football games on wednesday or thursday or saturday in order to have enough they're also having to especially states that are bigger geographically they're having to ask some of these officials to drive five or six hours from the major city you know i, I talked to the people from new mexico and you know from albuquerque to the, the far reaches of of, uh, of New Mexico, it's going to be a five or six hour drive just to go do a job where you get paid 50 or a hundred bucks, um, you know, for a couple hours and then drive back. And so, so really what's happening is, um, you know, you mentioned the millennials, you know, I think there's also, uh, on all level of age groups, there's less of a tolerance of people really wanting to go out to do a high school game or go out to do a youth game and get yelled at by fans and players and coaches, mm-hmm. to be honest. It's, it's not really, it's a, it's kind of a thankless job. And, uh, there was a time when a lot of the high school officials were teachers, you know, because their schedules worked out, um, well, uh, you could be out of school at three and then go do a game at night, but the, the schedules have changed uh, for a lot of high school teachers as well. So really what they're targeting, what a lot of the people who need to find youth level and high school level officials are targeting are people like policemen or, uh, firefighters, people who have, uh, or, or even like uh, people who work in in the healthcare industry, where you have kind of a different type of schedule, where you might work a forty-hour week, but it's in three days because you worked three twelve-hour shifts. 
And those are the type of people that are being targeted now to hopefully be able to fill the, the, the officiating ranks. And those are not really the profile of people who would then move up to become college officials and then hopefully pro officials. So that's another level of the problem that you're talking about. Although it's funny because I'll run into some high school <clears throat> officials at different places and that, and I said, I'm telling you right now, you have the greatest chance of advancing to as high of yeah. a level as you would ever think of at this time because there's such a need. And you know, a oh, couple yeah. of them checked that out, and they said, you're right about that. Yeah, yeah. If it's something that they want to do, you know, again, a lot of these people are – you know, in other full-time jobs, and, you know, there's certainly some sacrifices that would have to be made, but that's, if there's going to become a new pool of people for the NFL and, and even the Division One college uh, lead, uh, conferences to pick from, that's the way it's going to have to be developed. I know that uh, before they did the CBA, they kind of broke off where they had 25 full-time officials, and, you know, everybody says they should have a hundred and some full-time officials, and I, I just don't think under the current climate that could ever happen, particularly now that you see that uh, there could be as many as two dozen changes coming yeah. in the next two years. I mean, you don't have enough officials to hire full-time. Yeah, and they and they actually got rid of that policy for this year. It might come back next year where they go back to hiring about 24, 25 full-time officials, but it also becomes an economic thing to basically – you, the NFL could right now decide to have full-time officials, you know, up and down uh, for all 122 spots that they have in the league. They would have to essentially buy those people out of their other jobs. You know, um, officials in the NFL also are lawyers, they're dentists, they're real estate agents, they're insurance agents. They're all different kinds of jobs that they do in the off season. And um, part of the reason why on the on the official side where they haven't necessarily been willing to step into a full-time situation is because they would lose money or they would be uh, unable to uh, regain the, the job that they had should they go full-time with the NFL and then be, uh, be let go. And so the NFL, if they wanted to really wanted to have a full-time set of officiating, they, they could do it. It would just be an economic question of how much would it take to buy out all these people comfortably from their other jobs and make sure that they're whole and also give them the security uh, that they would need to have in order to walk away from their other sources of income. What? Uh, let's get into the elephant in the room and talk about the, uh, cha- the change that they made on pass interference with the challenge uh, for the coaches, the uh, review in the two minutes and less. Uh, and I know we were together at the owners meeting when that happened and I kind of muttered, I said, this is going to be a disaster. And I turned out to be wrong. It was worse than a disaster. It was just absolutely a joke. <laughs> a nuclear bomb was dropped. Yes. Um, you know, and I, I don't disagree that th- it has not worked. Um, you know, I, I think it's, you know, you, you couldn't argue otherwise. Um, I wonder whether it was, I think it's an open question as to whether the failure should be attributed to just the very idea of reviewing it, or was it a massive failure in execution? Um, there are people, as you know, in the league that fall on both sides of that. There are some people who never wanted to have uh, pass interference or any subjective calls be reviewed, thought it would never work, and they you know, feel themselves vindicated by the way it's played out. There's other people who wanted it, who think that they either, A, don't want to have to trust officials you know, to solely make those calls and not have a safety net uh, when something really bad happens, um, or they think it's just as technology gets better with a TV broadcast and with streaming that 
you're going to increasingly be broadcasting your the mistakes that have always been made um, in a much clearer uh, and obvious visual way because the uh, just the picture is so much better than what it was 20, 30 years ago or even 10 or 15 years ago. And they don't want to have that weekly juxtaposition of saying we're doing everything we can to have you know credible outcomes and the most fair uh, you know games possible. And oh yes, every week there's these obvious plays that keep getting reviewed uh, on Sports Center and everywhere else as being bad calls, and we have no way to fix them. And so those people would like to see if there's a different way to, or a better way, or better people to conduct the process and are not yet ready to give up. And so I think it's going to be a really interesting off-season question as to whether they pick up, you know, whether they just, uh, you know, kill the whole process and move on, whether they pick it up for one more year, whether they change it, whether they go to a sky judge. I think there's going to be a lot of, you know, even if it's just a vocal minority and and it's Sean Payton and a few others, I think those people are going to be pretty loud and noisy if there's, if the NFL just gives up on it entirely. Well, yeah, you bring to the idea because I, you know, the competition committee wanted to sky judge and you talk right. about the right juncture for that to happen. The okay. coaches did too. Yeah. And so here it comes down over the next two years. If indeed, uh, two dozen uh, officials get out of this league, you now have a can, you have enough candidates to fill the slots that you would need this uh, 17 uh, slots that you would need for a sky judge. And all these guys are experienced with more than 20 years in the league. I mean, to me, that would be uh, the juncture that you can do it and get away from this uh, pass interference call. Right. Because as you're alluding to the, the, the primary argument against the sky judge is that there wasn't anybody to go out and hire to do it. Um, and that they, even though they already have a replay official in the booth of every game, you know, in every stadium for every game, that that person couldn't also take on those those roles. So in your case, in your example, yes, those people would be a bit, they would have experience on the field. They would be, you know, well, relatively well versed in how to communicate with officials and not, or the referee at least. Um, and not to be obtrusive and they would have a good feel for when it's time to insert and say, hey, you missed this, or hey, the line, you know, the line of scrimmage should have been the 40, not the 38, um, and when to just to kind of keep quiet and let the game flow. And so that that's definitely a possibility. Um, you know, I, uh, the coaches the coaches liked that idea even before there was the possibility of 24 people, you know, taking buyouts because they thought it would be first it would take the responsibility off of them that they don't have to risk a timeout and they don't have to make a judgment about whether to review something, that there would just be sort of an all-powerful person, you know, behind, you know, uh, Oz behind the curtain or what have you, um, stepping in to fix the mistakes in real time. And we saw that play out in the, a- the Alliance of American Football, the AAF. They briefly used it before they went bankrupt, and it, um, it, it seemed to work okay. The XFL is going to do the same thing. They're going to have somebody watching for major mistakes and fixing them right away. Um, and so that will be another uh, data point the NFL could look at. So certainly 
I don't think the idea is dead by any means in the NFL. No, and that's that's the crazy part about this, because all this stems from the NFC Championship game where New Orleans had a non-call on an interference and it cost them a chance to go to the Super Bowl, and then they get reactionary, the owners, and uh, put in this crazy rule where it was a simple yeah. thing. My, my my big thing is four words would have solved this. You know, Let's say that you have Bill, uh, Al Riveron in the league office. You have Bill Vin- Vinovich, who I think right now has been the best official in the league this year and he, he was there at the championship game and you say yeah. bill throw the flag it's like bill throw the flag and it's like you yeah. throw the flag and that was a simple thing because you can spot on the tv how the, this the, the receiver was mugged and so it's like hey bill yeah. throw the flag and that is what a sky judge can do yeah and and that that i guess the 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 response the nfl had to that whether we want to buy it or not is that there you could certainly pull that off when in the case of the nfc championship game when it's the only game going on at the time uh when it's a full slate of sunday games and you need somebody watching each game that gets a little trickier but that to me doesn't sound like a a a deal breaker it sounds like they just have to do some training and find some people and um you wonder if there's also some turf protecting going on when people make the argument that there's just no one out there in the entire world Uh, i don't you know seven billion people in the world we can't find 17 people who could do this um so i think that argument eventually will die off it's just probably a matter of whether it they need to go to it or they find a way to do replay i know roger goodell was very adamant at the owners meetings you're referring to last spring that future changes however they played out he wanted them to be in the context of the re- the already established replay program. That's why he advocated for this. Is there was already a replay program. They already had a process for how it works. All they had to do was add pass interference. I think he is less at the time was less enthused about adding an entirely different process you know, of the sky judge to it because you know it, I guess it kind of created the, the potential for more issues or less uncertainty and and this seemed to be less of a you know it, it would seem seem to be more of a of a fundamental change than just adding to in his mind to pass it to uh to replay and so we'll see but um certainly based on what's happened this year i don't think any idea it should be off the table no and a final thought is that take us through the process how it got this bad in the sense that uh you know you have the chat coaches challenge and the league office pretty much was saying no on the coaches challenges so you know he's like okay we're having a review no we're not going to do that well it was really weird because in the spring and the summer al riveron sort of made the rounds to the teams and to some media outlets and and gave presentations and showed this is, you know, we've been thinking about this a lot and this is how it's going to play out, you know, and he showed some tape of certain plays and said, if we, if we had a replay review for pass interference for this play, we would have overturned it or we would have upheld it. And one of them was the, there was a play at the end of the near the, uh, during the Super Bowl, uh, Rams through a long pass. I think it was to Brandon uh, Cooks. Stephon Gilmore from the Patriots was defending him and, and they kind of hand fought for a while, and then at one point Gilmore did sort of this veteran thing where you hook, you know, you hold on and hook the, um, the one of the receiver's arms. And uh, Cooks was not able to make the catch. They did not call pass interference, but he showed it uh, in slow motion. Al Riveron did, so this is the kind of play where we would overturn it. So the idea going into the season was that this was going to be pretty aggressive. This wasn't just going to be. 
in times when somebody tackles you, you know, five seconds before the ball gets there and throws you, you know, halfway across the stadium. Like it, ha- it was going to be more subtle than that, which was a surprise. But that's the idea we had of going into the season, and it played out that way maybe for a week or two. And then right after the week two, it's as if something, or maybe it was week three, it's something just changed and like the flip, was, the switch was flipped. And for like 10 weeks or so during the middle of the season, almost no challenge from coaches, no matter how blatant the contact was, was getting, um, was getting overturned. And, and it, uh, it came up to, I think the peak of it was there was a play when the Houston went to Baltimore and DeAndre Hopkins, I think it was Marlon Humphrey. I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, I, I was at that game. Was. I, I even told so the uh, people in the press box, credit him with a tackle, Humphrey, on that one. Yeah, so it was Humphrey. Okay, yeah. So it was Humphrey and DeAndre Hopkins, and, and they did and they challenged it, and they didn't overturn. And so at that point, I even wrote, I said, okay, shut it down. Nope. If you're a coach and you're challenging from this point forward, you're just wasting a timeout. You might as well, it's not your fault, you know, as a coach, but I'm just, you know, like that's what the NFL is telling people right now. And then after that week, they kind of went changed the standard again and they cuz coaches kept challenging and suddenly they were overturning things. Not every one of them or not even a majority of them, but enough to say, well now it seems like the standard's a little different. And so that there so there's you basically have two or three swing points during the course of the season where what seemed to be the pattern for a long period of time heading into that point suddenly changed. And so that is really the absolute worst part of this whole thing is that never during the course of the season were they able to establish a consistent standard for, you know, and it's always going to be a little bit of argument, but where, where a good, you know, football educated person could watch a play and know whether this is worth challenging or not. And that is really to me where it broke down is that we have never gotten an idea of what they were will- how far they're willing to go and how far they sh- they weren't, which would mean don't challenge at this point. And that's why, to me, there's been so much frustration with it. Well, great job by you, Kevin. Thank you for joining us on Schooled with a Professor, and we'll just keep throwing the flags and seeing where it goes. <laughs> okay, hey, thanks, John. And that does it for this week's podcast. In between episodes, you can follow me on Twitter at Clayton ESPN. If you enjoy these weekly one-on-one conversations, consider leaving a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening to the show. Thanks for listening. See you next time on Schooled with a Professor.